Be Wealthy and Smart, episode 590. into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets, boredom, or bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones. Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, we're going to talk about couples and money. I don't often address this on the podcast, and I really thought this was a great article that had some really salient points and things that I really agree with, and even have written about in my book, You're Already a Wealth Heiress. One of the things that I think couples don't do enough is talk about money. It's something that a lot of couples avoid or they fight over, which is why they avoid it. And so I thought this article did a really good job of talking about a 25-year marriage and how a couple successfully navigated their finances. And they're sharing some tips here in this article. This comes to us from Next Avenue, and it was written by Carrie Hannon. And it says, how do 25 years go by so quickly? My father used to call this phenomenon the collapse of time. I'm feeling it. On the 4th of July, my husband Cliff and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, visiting the charming town of Asheville, North Carolina. The arrival of this signature anniversary made me think about what I have learned about couples and money over the years. Don't worry, there are not 25 tips. I've boiled them down to five that I believe are worth their weight in gold even on this silver milestone. Number one. Splurge on experiences, not on things. As Cliff and I demonstrated in Asheville, doing new things together, such as exploring the world, has been a key to our marriage. It's an investment in building shared memories and learning together that has stood the test of time. We've traveled from China's Great Wall to the Canadian Rockies, to Morocco, to Mendocino, to scores of other places in between. Each year we commit to doing at least one trip together, just us. We both travel a lot on business and visiting family and friends, so it's important that we set aside time and commit the cash to making this part of the fabric of our marriage. What appeals to me is the discovery aspect of travel, not knowing what you are about to see, Cliff says. When you're open-minded, almost anything becomes heightened because it's new and different. It's seeing for the first time, especially if you can approach it in a non-touristy, accidental way and get a flavor for what it's like to live there. This discretionary spending bucket, though, is not just reserved for travel. We earmark these funds for other experiences, too, such as date nights to D.C., restaurants, movies, and play tickets, or to hear a concert by a musician we admire. We lose ourselves in the moment, but live on it for years. Cliff and I believe that outlays on possessions and material objects aren't terribly satisfying. You value them for a time, but the joy of the purchase fades pretty quickly. We prefer to shell out for experiences that truly make us happy over the long haul. One caveat, 
we don't have kids, and I realize that may make it easier to carve out time together from a personal and financial perspective. But for the cash flow necessary to fund these experiences, try to set aside an amount each month for your slush fund. Maybe schedule an automatic transfer from your checking into a liquid savings account each month for just these kinds of expenses. So I wanna inject my opinion here. I love the idea that she's talking about experiences. It's one of the things I did with my husband was to travel a lot. And as you know, he died unexpectedly. And one of the things that I say is that I have no regrets because we did so much traveling and we lived so much life. A lot of people today have this philosophy of not living for today and putting it off till sometime in the future when they have enough money to do things. And the idea is don't spend any money today. And then maybe when you retire, you have enough money to go live life. I just think that's backwards. I think that's letting your money master you. I did a podcast about that where I said, you've got to master your money. Don't let money master you. And I really think that experiences are not only good for your marriage, but they're an important part of life, of living, of really making sure that we're not just slaves. We're not just here doing a job and earning a wage but you're actually getting something back from it that is such a huge multiplier of what you invest in it. So I really love the idea of experiences. I talked about that in my book, and I do think that is really key, not only to having a happy relationship, but also having a great life. Number two, go easy on debt. The only debt Cliff and I had since we bought our modest house in Washington, D.C. just before our marriage is an affordable mortgage. We still live in that same house all these years later. All our credit cards are paid in full each month and we pay cash for our cars and drive them for years. My current auto has over 100,000 miles. All right, where have you heard this before? (laughs) I love everything she just said in there and there was a lot packed in there. So first of all, They bought a house that they could live in for their entire life. They got a mortgage on it and still live in the same house. So I always say it's very expensive to move all the time. There's a lot of hidden costs in moving, not just in the mortgage you're paying or in the points you're paying on the loan, but in the real estate commissions and the fix up and the remodeling. In all of that, there's a lot of expense. So how smart are they? that they stayed in one place. And I think that gave them a huge financial advantage, which probably gave them more ability to travel too and gave them that travel budget. Also, they have credit cards, but they pay them in full each month. Credit cards are not evil. Credit cards build good credit scores, which enable you to get lower interest rates on your mortgage and other advantages, free points, free trips. All of that is connected. I use credit cards to get free plane rides and free hotel stays, free rental cars. There's all kinds of free benefits I get from using credit cards and paying them off every month. So just because you have a credit card doesn't mean it's evil. You just have to pay it off every month. Also, she said they pay for their cars in cash and drive them for years. Where else have you heard that? One of my favorite things to say is that you don't want to be buying cars frequently. You want to keep them for a long time. I myself have a car that has over 100,000 miles on my Jaguar sedan. 
I still love that car better than any car I can think of to buy today. So I still drive it and I love it and it's a great car. It also means that your money isn't going into a depreciating asset every few years where you're guaranteed to lose money. So by not buying cars, you can literally be saving up to a half million dollars over your lifetime. If you haven't listened to that podcast, it's in my series of how to save tens of thousands of dollars. So these are smart things that they're doing, which allow them to have a lifestyle that allows them to travel. Does that make sense? Absolutely. This is really the smart way to prioritize how you wanna live and getting the most out of your money. Because again, buying cars all the time isn't something that's gonna be a good financial situation for you. And it's probably not really even gonna give you much joy, I don't think. But maybe, maybe a few people really get a lot of joy out of new cars, but still you're losing money. You're guaranteed to lose money on the depreciation, on the cost of buying that car. So why not be smart about your house, be smart about your car, your major expenses, and guess what? You'll find that you have money left over to be able to travel and do these things and using some credit cards that have some mileage perks or free hotel benefits are also going to help you. So all of these things I've talked about on the podcast are really incorporated into this article just in these two points so far. There were so many things that I just went, wow, I've been talking about this and this really sums it up nicely and I really wanted to share that with you. Let's go on to number three, maintain individual and joint accounts. We hold joint savings, checking, and investment accounts, but we also have separate retirement accounts, which we're diligent about funding, as well as separate bank and credit card accounts. This is vital, especially for women. Having your own accounts allows you to establish a good credit record of your own. I call this financial independence. Keeping a few accounts individually also lets Cliff and me have autonomy for a portion of our spending, so we don't have to ask permission to invest within reason, in something we love or put money towards a hobby that sustains our work-life balance and inner balance. For me, it's my horse. For Cliff, it's tickets to sporting events and travels to spend time with his best pals who live in other parts of the country and the world. Okay, well, horses are super expensive, so that's a tough one, but I like the idea that they are treating themselves responsibly, maturely. They do have joint accounts, but they also have some separate accounts because there's nothing worse than having to ask somebody else for money. And I like the idea of having separate accounts. I think this is super important for women, as she said, to build your own credit record. Really good point. Number four, pull together as a team. Neither Cliff nor I plan to retire completely because we both love what we do. Lucky for us, we each run our own business. Cliff's an independent film and television producer, editor, and I'm a journalist, author, speaker, and have skills and careers that give us the ability to not have an age stamp. That said, throughout our marriage, we've had cycles where one of us out earns the other. Money is power, so we are mindful of how that shift can impact our equilibrium, even if it's subtle. When one person is carrying the load, there can be a subtle, unexpressed resentment or a feeling of guilt by the other. This can fester, so we talk about it when appropriate and make adjustments in our spending accordingly. To quote Bruce Springsteen's lyrics, 
I'll wait for you. And if I should fall behind, wait for me. Well, I think that's great. It's important to think as a team when you're a couple. It's important to see that at some point, maybe one will out earn the other. And you might have that dynamic where the woman out earns the husband. That's quite common nowadays. And that can create a power struggle. I've definitely lived that. And I can attest to the fact that there can be the power struggle when you've got one earning more than the other. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the woman is earning more, but it just can mean that when one earns more, definitely there is sort of a power shift because now they say, well, I made more this year. This is what I want to do, or this is how I want us to spend our money. And so you have to take that into consideration and talk about it and work through it as a team. I like that idea. Number five, have regular money conversations. To be honest, these talks are stressful for me. Even after 25 years, I can easily swing into the I can spend what I earn mindset. But we're in this together. So Cliff is firm about reminding me from time to time of that commitment. Importantly, we review our overall financial picture at least once a year with our financial planner. We rebalance our accounts, discuss new investments, and marvel at how far we've come. In those meetings, we allow ourselves to dream a little, too, about what our lives might look like a decade or more down the road and how much savings we might need to meet some of those goals. The best part about being married? We are a team and each other's biggest fans, as the Beatles sang the kind of thing that money just can't buy. End of article. So I love that, having regular money conversations Really, the money date night was brought to my attention by author David Bach. And I agree, it's not always comfortable to have these conversations, but it helps if you go out to dinner and can talk about it and decide you're going to discuss it and then move on to a different topic. You don't have to spend the whole evening talking about it. And it's really good if you can focus on your progress and keep it positive. So what are the things that are working? What are the things that you've actually accomplished with your finances in the last month or in the last six months or in the last year? It could be as simple as how much your mortgage balance was paid down over the year or certainly any other debt that you paid down. It could be how much is in your travel account ready to earmark for where you're gonna travel next. It could be how your investment accounts are doing. It could be your overall net worth and how that's improved over the last five years. Whatever you need to do, you can take a longer term picture to look at it and find something positive to talk about and to focus on. Because whatever you focus on expands. So you always want to focus on the positive as much as possible. All right, I will put a link to this article in the show notes and on my website. So you can take a look, you can show it to your partner or spouse, you can review it again. I think there were just so many good nuggets of smart financial decisions in this article. And I can see why this couple has had a successful 25 year marriage and has avoided a lot of the heartbreak and a lot of problems and traps that other couples can fall into. So take some wisdom from this and see if you can apply a principle or two that you might've learned today. If you haven't yet subscribed to Be Wealthy and Smart, hit that subscribe button and you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. And if you're interested in learning more about my investing inner circle, how to get your money working harder for you in my VIP experience, just complete the short questionnaire in the show notes and I'll set up a time for us to talk. 
that's all for today. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog, and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.